Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want the Lord to uh, minister something to our heart. We have been teaching a series now for several weeks uh, entitled Back to the Basics, and we have been talking about just fundamental principles um, of the apostolic church and I think um, that it is well for us to to visit and revisit on occasion things that uh, that help us become what God intends for us to be. I have um, today a little bit of a difficult task in the sense that I am going to be talking about pastors and leaders, sheep and shepherds, and uh, I want to let you know this morning that I am not just speaking about myself. And uh, I'm called on to deal with things that sometimes could be taken in that light. But uh, no matter who you would call pastor, no matter who you would consider to be the shepherd in your life, these principles are biblical and they're going to hold true uh, in, under any circumstance. And uh, so if I could just say that, maybe, maybe you didn't need me to say that, but maybe I needed to say that. And so um, either way, in this series, we've been talking about a lot of things. And I, I have said often throughout this journey that I think it's important to understand why we do what we do and not just what we do, but, but to understand the reason why that there is a rhyme and a reason. And, uh, and so today I want to talk about the role of pastors primarily, but I also want to incorporate into that the role of other leaders that are in the church because a church leadership is not just made up of a pastor solely. But, um, and then somewhere, somewhere along today's journey, uh, I want to discuss the roles and the responsibilities of shepherds to the sheep and sheep to the shepherd. Amen. And uh, so if you will just let the uh, Lord touch our heart today. And as I often uh, use this illustration that if you will not only hear the message, but the spirit of the message. And uh, that's what I think is, is, will be as important as anything that is said will be the spirit in which it is, and the spirit in which it is said. That's one of the unfortunate things about um, the technological world that we live in filled with social media and things of that nature, you can get the message and not get the spirit of the message. And somebody may be complimenting you and it almost ruins your day because you got the message, but you didn't get the spirit of the message. And so I think it's important that these two go hand in hand. And so I'm going to be dealing with things that are specific to my office as the pastor of this church and, uh, and so that's why I say that. I want you to get the spirit of the message. The book of Hebrews 13 and 17 is where I would like to begin. And as I have said throughout this series, I'm coming at you with a lot of scriptures. 
And so maybe there are more, and we may be moving at a pace that you can't literally keep up with. And so if you'll follow along on the screen, but then if you would like to make note of those scriptures and look at them later, uh, that, would be, that would be well. And, uh, so the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. And here's the reason why. For they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. And um, so there is a phrase, if you'll just leave that scripture there for a moment. There is the phrase there, them that have the rule over you. Um, There's also something else in this passage that I feel personally that bears pointing out. Two words that must be considered. And that is um, where the scripture starts, the word obey. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. And then the second word that I would like to point out there is the word submit. Obey and, and submit. Because you can have obedience without submission. You surely can. And somebody says, well, I'm going to do it just because he said do it. And, and our spirit can be as wrong side out inside as, as everything. And so we can say, well, I'm doing it. But it's not through a spirit of submission. And so obedience needs to come with a spirit of submission. And, uh, and so if, if we have obedience without submission, that will lead to trouble somewhere along the line. You may be able to obey without submission for a season. But at some point, that journey, that path will get more and more and more and more narrow and more difficult and somewhere along the line will be impossible. And so we need to have an obedient and submissive spirit when it comes to following the leader. And uh, I say all the time to our leaders, the leaders of our church, and to other leaders that I have the privilege to speak to across our fellowship, that you you cannot and will not ever be an effective leader if you haven't proven to be an effective follower. And uh, there are those that don't want to follow anybody, but they want to lead everybody. And that will never, ever work because you need to understand the test of fellowship before you can ever understand the test of leadership. And so we have to become followers. And so uh, I, I want to refer to teachers or leaders that I believe God has placed in our lives and, uh, you know, the, the, the scripture talks about wives being in submission to husbands. But there's some pretty specific things there that need to be brought out. The Bible doesn't just say that wives ought to be submissive to husbands. The Bible says that wives ought to be submissive to their own husband. <laughs> and uh, we, had a, uh, we had a young man in our home church who... Um, just a few French fries short of a Happy Meal, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and so he went up to my wife and uh, one time was going to kind of order her around. And he was basing all of that on the premise that she should have been in submission to her. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he understood that the whole scripture for that conversation was over with, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she, is, she is submissive, but just to her own husband. 
So if you want to do, she'll do anything you want her to do, but you're going to need to smile when you're asking her about that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so when we're talking about teachers and leaders, and I'm going to have to hurry the pace here. When we're talking about teachers and leaders, I want us to understand that what I'm building all of this on are the teachers and the leaders that God has placed in our lives. Amen. And so when we, when we say that God has placed somebody in our life, and I, wanna, I didn't know where to put this in, but I'll insert it right here. And maybe you mention it again uh, before, we, before we leave here today. But I think it's very significant when someone says that I want so-and-so to be my pastor. Because you see, if you really understand the role of a pastor, and you say that so-and-so is my pastor and we do not submit in obedience to the leadership of that man you have laid that title to, boy, it is really getting quiet. Then we're gonna become accountable because we said, that's my pastor. And the scripture says that I'm gonna have to give an account. And so I don't think titles, the titles are something that I take very seriously. I take very soberly my responsibility to be a pastor. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the longer I pastor and the longer that I, that I serve in the ministry, the more serious I take that role. And, uh, and so we need to be very careful because if we feel like God has placed somebody in our lives and then we rebel against that leadership, we may well be rebelling against God. And I'll point that out here in just about 45, 50 minutes. Amen. To be sure, God has given us, I think, a series of checks and balances and uh, to help us because after we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we need, we need some guidance in our life and some direction in our life. So our future success and, and salvation uh, is going to depend on the heeding of God's word what we do with what we hear. I take church very serious, preaching very serious because this is not entertainment. This is not dramatics. This is not us just going through the motions, but we're going to be accountable. If you haven't heard, taught, what I am going to be teaching today, for instance, do you know that you're going to be accountable to this message when we walk out of this building? Amen. You can't unknow something and un. You can't just unhear something. You can't uh, unring the bell, so to speak. And so we, we do that by seeking and obeying spiritual and biblical leadership. The Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip how could he understand what he was reading in Isaiah unless some man should guide him. And so we've got to be willing then to submit ourselves to that voice. Now, I, I know and I will, I, I will try to deal with as much of this as I can, but uh, please understand a little bit of my plight this morning. I'm trying to reach a very broad audience, okay? And so I will not be able to touch every little minuscule area, but if you can, if you can understand that we must be willing to submit, if you can understand that, I think you'll be better off. But he asked, how can we hear how can we know, how can I understand unless some man guide me? I have heard more than one, people, one person say to, to me through the years because of past hurts and things that uh, have gone awry in their life that no man is going to tell me what to do. Well, you have put yourself in a very unique position 
because God chose to work through man. And so if you form the opinion that no man will tell you what to do, then you have said, I am going to not ever hear from God. Amen. I, I am going to prove this in about, that'll be about 57 minutes from now, but I'm going to prove this in scripture. Amen. Some of you wishing you would ate another donut for breakfast, aren't you? <laughs> but God has given us, and so it is they who have that authority that can guide us on this journey to salvation. So when we're saved, we're not just turned loose to do as we please. We're not just, we're not just here to hang out until the trumpet sounds. Amen. But God has given us guidelines, disciplines, and teachers to instruct us, people that are watchers, watchmen, as the scripture refers to that, of our souls. David said in Psalms 138, too, thou hast magnified thy word above all. And so if God's word then is that benchmark, then we should, and that final authority, then we need to judge our lies. We need to judge, our, we need to judge the sermon. We need to judge rules, our doctrines, spiritual gifts. The list goes on and on and on. Everything needs to be weighed against the benchmark of the word of God. Because David said again, thou hast magnified thy word above all. And so this is the benchmark. It's the only standard that we have of which our lives will be judged. And so we, may, we must make God's word the center of our life. I, I can't deviate too often but in this, but in, uh, in Luke 4, I believe it is, <clears throat> where, Jesus was, when, where Jesus came upon the disciples and they were reading and he took from them the book and he began to read out of the book of Isaiah. And uh, some of you who have attended church here a while have heard me use this illustration before. But when Jesus read to them from the book of Isaiah, then something truly significant happened. He closed the book and he gave it to the ministry. Amen. That's, and so the book is in the hand of the ministry today. But there's going to come a day that God is going to take this book out of the hand of the ministry. And when that happens, that means the dispensation of grace has ended and judgment has begun. And what are we going to be judged from? We're going to be judged from this book. It's not going to be a pop quiz. It's not going to be some strange twist. I didn't know that. We're going to be judged out of the very book that we've been taught out of. And so we've got to be very careful to understand that the word of God needs to be the center of our life. And so I don't want to measure my life against anything except the word of God. And so he's given us the ministry uh, in the church as a governing element. The ministry is also to help us to make sense of the word. The book of Nehemiah 8 and 8, look at this. The scripture says, so they read in the law of the, of, they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And so how many times during the ministering of the word of God, whether it was me or some other minister or, or, or in some other setting where we were just sitting there and someone began to teach or preach under the anointing of God and our eyes were open. Wow, I didn't realize that's what that scripture meant. And so they made sense of something. They made the sense. They brought it to us. And so from experience and from the Bible, we understand the importance of ministry having the oversight of the flock of God. Acts 20 and 28, the scripture says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That scripture is to the ministry. Take heed to yourselves. Amen. Be very careful. This is a very sobering 
call and a responsibility. And so when a church gets out of harmony with the word of God, we are destined for trouble. We're destined for problems because God has an order that he will honor and God will not step outside of his order to honor whatever we put together. And so that's why that when a church puts itself in a position that other things lead the church besides a pastor where you've got committees of this and committees of that and boards of that and elders of that until the pastor is, is nothing more than just a hireling. That's what the scripture calls it. That's a pretty strong word, but that's what the scripture calls it. When we have put ourselves, when a church puts themselves in that position, they have put them in a position for failure. Why? Because what you have there are sheep leading sheep. And sheep need a shepherd. And so if there is a problem, if there's a problem, there are uh, things that I have on record here for our church. If I, don't, I know we don't want to talk about things like this. I'm no more comfortable with this than you would be. But if something, uh, something tragic happened to me this afternoon, I have a plan of action for this church. Amen. I have people that I want to be called. And, and, and that's not anybody in this room. Why? Because if I appoint somebody in this room in, in about 24 hours or less from then, somebody else is going to be saying, well, who are they? We need a, she- we need a shepherd leading sheep. Does that make sense? Amen. Now, I, I, I probably need to clear something up. I'm, I don't have somebody appointed to come here and tell you what you're going to do. I have somebody appointed to help you walk through the process to have the next shepherd that God in this church wants here. Is that fair enough? Amen, need to move on with that now. Amen, I don't plan to go anywhere. <laughs> that helped a lot, hurt some, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm teasing. There must be a collective agreement that God has called a shepherd to lead a congregation. Do you know what I think happened? And I know that, uh, that, uh, that our church has been blessed to grow through uh, the last many years. But what happened in 1989 was that God, we feel like as a congregation, the congregation at least that was represented here at that time, that God, Sister Boyd and I felt led to come here as, as a pastor and the congregation that was present at that time felt that God was in that as well. Amen. So we all came together and believed that God had called us. We weren't looking for a job and we weren't looking for something to do. And, uh, but God made this merger. God placed us together. And so we need to be in a collective agreement about that. So God's plan calls for a pastor and a shepherd to have oversight. But please let me be as clear as I possibly can. I believe that a pastor, a real pastor, a shepherd, needs to be a God-fearing leader not someone motivated by ego, not someone driven by their own ideas and designs, but they need need to be a pastor, needs to be a God-fearing leader. A pastor should be someone that can also provide on a consistent basis spiritual food to the saints of God, not just somebody to have a title, not just somebody to do this or that. We often hear Malachi 3 and 10 and uh, I, I quote that as often as the next person bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. That is a responsibility that we all share in. 
Everybody in this room, including yours truly, because the ministry is not exempt from paying tithes and offerings. I certainly pay tithes and offerings myself. Amen. But the next portion of that scripture says that there might be that there may be meat in mine house. Now that responsibility does not include you. The meat in my house all comes home to me. I have a responsibility that when you walk in those doors that there is meat on the table. Meat on the table. Amen. And so that is the responsibility that every pastor bears, that every, uh, that every, every pastor, every shepherd bears that responsibility that when you come in the door, amen, there must be meat prepared. I, I, don't, I don't want you to see me running around on the platform trying to microwave something up. I want there to be meat on the table that's worthy of your time, Amen, worthy of your effort, worthy of your attention. I, I, I say that sincerely. I wanna make sure there's meat on the table when you get to church. And so where and, 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 and what would our lives be like without the ministry? Where would we be without a shepherd's heart to lead us and, and to guide us under the direction of God? And I, I'll say this once again, I am a pastor. But, but be very sure that you understand that. I am not just a pastor, but I am a pastor who also has a pastor. And, and other ministers that, that, that hold me accountable and that I stay accountable to. In recent years, due to my pastor's age and somewhat declining health, I have brought other pastors into my life, one in particular to kind of fill in that place, uh, those into my life, not just one, but one additional one to, to serve. And, and so I want to be clear in saying that I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do myself. And my life is an open book and there is nothing hidden. And I mean, when I say nothing, you define that ever how broadly you want to define that. There is nothing hidden from the men that I have asked to serve in my life. And I made careful, I was very careful and made sure that I didn't ask yes men to be a part of that team. You know why? Because I'm trying to get to heaven. I don't want somebody just pat me on the back, okay, 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 when it's not okay. I want somebody to have the key to say, wait a minute, this is wrong. You've got to fix this. You've got to change that. You've got to, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, I, and that's happened through the years. I've had to call other friends. This is not about me, but I've had to call other accountability partners and say, I'm, I'm, here, here's how I, I got a situation. Here I, here's how I think I ought to handle it. They say, I don't think you ought to handle it that way. I think you're thinking wrong because you're in the fire. You're in the... You're in the fog, you're in the thick of things. You need a voice outside of your life that can speak clarity and speak with sense. Ephesians 4 and 11 through 14 reveals the fivefold ministry that God has given the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then when we continue below that, Ephesians 4 and 12 reveals the threefold purpose of the ministry. He didn't just give us the ministry willy-nilly. But he gives us the purpose now of the ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Many pertinent facts, I think, surround the relationship of the ministry to the body, and none of them have so profound importance than the following two areas. So we need to study and apply, I think, these principles to our lives because they will help us develop the proper or balanced relationship between the ministry and the saints. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is the responsibility to the ministry. Hebrews 13 and 7, the Bible says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. And here's the instruction. Whose faith follow, considering the end of their 
conversation or the end of their lifestyle, referring to teachers and leaders and their faith and their lifestyle. And so he said, you need to, you need to remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken to you the word of God. And he said, you need to follow their faith. Follow their faith. You need to consider their lifestyle. Amen. I, I, I will touch this in just a moment again, but Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so 1 Timothy 5, 18, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the, the uh, ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. And so the last thing you want to do, if, if this, again, I'm not trying to be morbid, but if this were the last message I'm ever privileged to preach from behind this pulpit, please hear your pastor today. The last thing you want to do is put a tether on this pulpit. Amen, you want somebody that can come here and preach without fear, without favor. Amen, I, somebody that can just close their eyes, so to speak, spiritually and say, Lord, speak to me and let this word come forth. So don't, that's what the scripture is talking about. Don't muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Don't, don't stop the one that is there to help. The ministry, the second thing is the ministry's responsibility to the church. Acts 20 and 28, the scripture says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. I read that a moment ago, but again, I think that is worthy of a second pass. Take heed therefore to yourselves. In 2 Timothy 4 and 2, Paul taught Timothy to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And you know that instant in season and out of season, that, that is a tall order sometimes. <laughs> because you're always the pastor, but I'm not always wearing a suit. I'm always the pastor, but I'm not always behind the pulpit. And so a few days ago, I won't call any names, but a few days ago someone called me and uh, they needed an answer about a scripture. And I, I'm telling you, I was so caught up in doing something else. I was working around here at the church and I was so caught up in doing something else. When they asked me about that scripture, my mind just went. <laughs> and I knew that I had in times past even had <laughs> done a study on that particular passage of scripture. And I just fumbled around for a few minutes. And I said, can I call you back? <laughs> I got to try to find my preacher cap and pull it on my head real quick here. If you'll give me just a few minutes and we had no longer hung up and all of a sudden that thought come running back right past me again and I'm sure that has nothing to do with age at all. And uh, in season, out of season. And so there it is. We, you got to understand that, that sometimes you're, you can wake up thinking this is what you're doing today and realize in 30 minutes that this is what you're gonna be doing today because we had to be instant in season, out of season. And uh, then the scripture says that, that we had to preach the word instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You know, many won't rebuke for others, but they want long suffering for themselves. Amen. <laughs> just free of charge, ushers, just stay seated there. First Timothy 4 and 11, these things he said, command and teach. Or in other words, the word of God, we need to command them but we also need to teach them. I mean, there needs to be an, an emphatic underlining of the passages of scripture and, and, and we need to be able to declare them. But there are also times like today that we need to be able to slow down and teach this. We need to talk about why we're doing this. This morning, I also wanna talk about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. 
I, I know there's been a lot of teaching on the role of the pastor and his relationship to those uh, that God has placed into the local congregation under their particular influence. There's been much hurt, I understand, caused by improper methods of leadership. I know that we don't live in a in a in a perfect world, and and there there are times that that hurt has been inflicted on on the heart and the lives of other people um, by the mishandling of authority or abuse of authority. But uh, but we have to allow God to help us heal our heart in those areas and move on because God's word does not change just because we got wounded along the way. God will take care of all of that. You set the sword down, and when you set the sword down, God will allow the healing process to happen in your own life. And uh, through, throughout the Bible, God's people are referred to as sheep, and sheep have need of a shepherd, both to feed them and to tend to their needs. In Psalm 79, 13, the Bible says, So we, thy people and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. The hundred Psalm, Psalms 103, 100 and verse three, we know ye that, that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so it's important that shepherds are careful to avoid the measures of, uh, of advocating lording over the congregation rather than leading the congregation. And so uh, you, you have to lead people and not drive people. Amen, that is a leadership principle. And so sheep must be careful not to miss the fullness of, of God's purpose for the church by then failing to submit to uh, the local church body through the leadership of the church. The word shepherd is used both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It means one who tends herds or flocks. It, it, it does not mean one who just merely feeds them. Because see, if you just send somebody out to feed the sheep, all they gotta do is walk up there and throw a little something on the ground. I said, did you feed the sheep? Oh, I fed the sheep. But a shepherd understands that my job is not just to feed the sheep, but I need to tend to the sheep. And if you're tending to the sheep and when you walk out there in the trough, the feed trough is broken, you, you, go, you go fix that. If one of the sheep you notice is limping up there to the trough, you, you say, wait a minute, I need to look into this. I, I gotta tend to this and see what's wrong. And so it's not just about feeding the sheep and it's about tending to the sheep. There's a real responsibility there. Both the Hebrew and the Greek words translated as shepherd is also translated as pastor. And so that's why we use the terms of pastor and shepherd. Jesus is spoken as the chief shepherd. Jeremiah prophesied that the Lord would set up shepherds over his people. In Jeremiah 23 and 4, the scripture says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Why? What brought that peace? What brought peace was the fact that there was a shepherd there. Somebody that could feed and tend and nurture and, and love. Amen. Now, Brother Rayleigh shared something with me last Sunday morning, and, and I'm going to tell you, maybe it was just, I know it was for me, but maybe it was just for me. But on the off chance that there's somebody else here today that could use this, I called Brother Rayleigh last night, and I asked him for permission to share this with you today. 
in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We hear the rich man, uh, as he beheld from hell, the perspective of hell, he beheld Lazarus from the perspective of being in Abraham's bosom. And so if you, if you know this story, you realize that, that the rich man was asking for Lazarus to come to him. And he says, I can't come because there's this chasm. There's a, there's a divide. I can't get to you. And so in, in trying to just paraphrase this story quickly, the, the rich man finally, he said to, if you could just do this one thing, if you could send Lazarus, if Lazarus can't come to me, send Lazarus to my brother's so that they can be warned not to come to this place. Now here we watch something very powerful unfold because God will not overwrite his principles. And the Lord said, his response was this, they have Moses and the prophets, right? He didn't say they have Moses and the priests. He said they have Moses and the prophets. And so if they can't be saved by Moses and the prophets, then they wouldn't be saved though somebody rose from the dead. Now that's really counter what we think because we think if someone saw something miraculous that boy, they'd all come running. But he said, no, uh, we're not gonna have a, have a miracle over my word. You're gonna, my word is what's gonna bring this. Amen, my word. Now the difference between the priests and the prophets is paramount. It's paramount. The priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. So if I could just draw this picture in your mind today that here's the people, here's the priest, and here's God. And so the priest speaks for the people to God. But the prophet serves a much different role because the prophet speaks on behalf of God to the people. Amen? Our own brother Rayleigh gave me that. And if I ever preach that somewhere else, I'll, I'll, try, I'll really pray that the Lord will help me give him credit on that. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me be honest about that. That's rich. That's rich. The priest is standing between the people, but he's speaking for the people to God. The prophet is speaking for God back to the people. And so here is where we must really understand the role, the role of a shepherd and a pastor in our life is because when we come to church, there are times you're gonna need somebody that can speak on your behalf to God. Amen. But there are other times when we come in here, God has touched my heart and says, you need to tell my people something. Amen. That's why we don't need to come to church with our arms folded and come in with our little clipboard and check off, well, I like that song, I don't like that, I like this, I don't like that. We need to realize that, amen, I wanna hear from the prophet today. I'm not one to give myself that title, but here, we need to hear the voice of the prophet. God may have a prophet behind this desk this morning to speak a word on our behalf. And so let's not come in and say, well, I'll have this, I don't want that, I'll have this, I don't want that. If God has something to say to me, I'm wide open. Speak, Lord, thy servant, hear it. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We've got to understand that when somebody stands behind this desk, and I, 
I, I, I know I repeat myself a lot. I do, I do it on purpose, but I want you to understand that I don't let every Tom, Dick, and Harry come stand behind this desk. I guard this. Why? Because I take seriously what I'm talking about right now. Amen. I want to make sure that whoever is standing here, I want you to be able to be comfortable. I want you to know that everything is well, that you can have peace in your heart and that we're going to hear from the word of the Lord. This is not just a man blabbering behind this pulpit about their own agenda, but we need an anointed voice that is nothing more than a conduit, amen, of heaven that would be coming down, hallelujah, from heaven to speak in our midst. Let's clap our hands to the Lord in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. We need an anointed voice. Thank you for letting me take my time today. This is an important subject that we need to understand. Pastors, pastors and shepherds were given to the church as a gift, a gift. Amen, included in the fivefold ministry. And so what are the duties of, of a shepherd? I think that we can tell there, there's a real serious indictment in the book of Ezekiel. And, and uh, for the sake of time, I almost omitted this, but it's just, just, it's just too powerful to omit. And so in the book of Ezekiel 34 and 2, if you'll read along with me here, the Bible says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe ye with the wool, and, and ye kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. I'm gonna tell you that when a man falls in that category or a leader, a pastor, a shepherd falls in that category, they are going to have to answer to God. Amen. So please hear me this morning. Don't take that upon yourself. Don't, don't you take up your sword to fix God's problems. He'll take care of that. But you hear me. If this is recorded in Ezekiel, then it tells me one thing, that God, for me, I'll say this for me, for Steve Boyd, as the pastor of this church, that God is watching my life. He's watching if I don't strengthen. He's watching if I don't help heal. He's watching if I don't bind up the broken. He's watching if I am, if I am not trying to reach back to that that's been driven away. He's watching if I'm not seeking that that's lost. Amen. He is watching if I am ruling with cruelty and force. God's watching that. He's listening to me. He's listening to me today. He's gonna to be watching me tomorrow. He was watching me Thursday and Tuesday and, and so I've got to be careful. And so I say this morning to any minister in this house that may feel any, any calling in your life to ever pastor one day, you need to understand something. Being a pastor is not just having a title. It's not just about somebody making you a birthday cake and lighting the candles and singing your, your praises. But God is gonna be watching how you lead, how you deal. What do you do with the wounded? What do you do with those that are, that are sick? What do you do with those that are strayed away? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. And so from this passage of scripture, we can see that, that, that the word of God clearly states the duties of a shepherd toward the sheep. They possibly could be summarized with these seven examples that were given here to us in Ezekiel. 
to feed the flock, to strengthen the disease, to heal the sick, to bind up the broken, to bring back those that were driven away and to seek the lost and to not rule with cruelty. In Jeremiah 3.16, Jeremiah prophesied that, that, that his shepherds would be shepherds after his own heart. He said, Brother Rayleigh has read that to us many times. I will give you shepherds after your own, or pastors after your own heart. I will give you pastors after your own heart. And so feed the sheep with knowledge and understanding. The New Testament tells us, he calls us uh, his sheep by, his, he tells us he calls his sheep by name, leads them and goes before them. In John uh, 10 and 3, the scripture says, to, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. According to Acts 20, 28 and 29, the shepherd is on guard for himself and for the sheep against the wolves, and he has to give an account for that. Amen, our Sunday school students are coming in, so let's just stay, stay focused here. In, in 1 Peter 5 and 2, the shepherd will take the oversight of the flock willingly, not motivated by greed, but willingly, willingly. According to 1 Peter 5 and 3, a shepherd will provide, and there, here's what, here's what, the wording of 1 Peter 5 and 3 is, and I think it's important to pause and make this and underline this, that 1 Peter 5 and 3 said a shepherd will provide an in sample for his flock. Not just an example, but an in sample. Now the word in sample in this verse means that it is an image. When you look at the word in sample, this is the, the definition is an image that is stricken into a coin by a blow. Amen, it is an end sample. It is, it is there, it is indelible. It is indelibly imprinted. And so, uh, and so with the spirit of this service and with the spirit of what I have said up to this point, it is why I often say, if you want to know how to dress, watch Sister Boyd and I. Because God gave us a church, an end sample. And don't just watch how we dress at church. But look at us when we're dressed away from church. Amen. Every now and then, if God gives me the opportunity, you might catch me in my overalls. But I'm still going to be holy. And I don't mean you've got to run out and buy your pair of overalls if that's not your deal. But what I'm talking about is being modest and holy. Not just Don't just dress up for church. I'm appalled by what we see at church versus what we see on Facebook sometimes. <laughs> we're, about to, we're about to see if I really can perform a miracle and raise the dead now because we just killed, killed it all. What's the deal? What would be the deal with that? Amen. If you want to know how to live, watch us. You want to know how to get along, watch us. If you want to know how to worship, watch us. I understand what I'm saying are very tall things when I say watch us because I open a lot of things to our lives in saying that. I really do. And so I don't say that lightly. I guarantee you I don't say that lightly because I want to make sure 
that I am saying this in the spirit of Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. And I'll tell you ladies something. You got a great end sample. A great end sample. Amen. She can, she knows how to work with the, with the hardest of laborers and, and she also knows how to, to, to sit with the finest. Amen. And I appreciate the example. I've never been embarrassed. Never, ever have I been embarrassed to see my wife in public somewhere or how she conducts herself in public somewhere. I've never been embarrassed for her to go with me anywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm a little uncomfortable if she's not with me because she really, <laughs> amen, she helps me shine. Yes, sir. I tell her all the time, I said, baby, you are a much better pastor than me. <laughs> Because she thinks of everything. She just remembers, she just remembers, she just thinks of all sorts of stuff. And I, I'm so thankful that I have that in my life to help me. And uh, I don't mean by that that she pastors the church behind closed doors. That's not what I'm talking about. She said, I'm not a preacher, don't want to be a preacher. I've seen what it's all about, don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Every now and then she speaks for us on a Mother's Day or a Father's Day or some kind of special event. And I hear her in her chair over there studying. She said, I just can't believe you do this every week. I just can't believe you do this every week. I wouldn't want anything to do with this. I wouldn't want anything to do with it. So she's not wanting to pastor, but I'm just saying that I'm thankful for a good shepherd, a good shepherd, uh, uh, thank you, wife, yeah. <laughs> Her. <laughs> Raise your hand. There you go. <laughs> One of those. Amen. A great, <laughs> a great example. A great example. She is she is gracious and kind, and you know what? We both have made our fair share of mistakes. I'm, we're, not, we're not delusional here today, but God has helped us to grow, and you as a congregation have been very patient, and you have helped culture us to what we are today, and we thank you for that. We weren't a pastor when we came here. We were that entitled only and a pastor's wife, but you know what? Your grace, your goodness, your prayers, your support, you have brought us to where we are today. We've come a long way together, and for that, I am thankful. <laughs> And so I think a good shepherd will also help. I think a good <laughs> She leaned down. I thought she was trying to get my attention about something. <laughs> I thought, thought, I was, thought I was doing something wrong. I had my tie over my shoulder or something. Yeah. You want to know how to dress? Dress like us. Dress like us. <laughs> she got me nervous. I'm checking my cuffs and my pockets and making sure everything. My tie straight. <clears throat> Everybody all right? Hey, it's okay to laugh. That kind of takes the tension out of the room. A good shepherd will help equip saints to the work of the ministry. That's why we have so many people in our church involved in ministry. Outreach, inreach, all sorts of ministries. Why? Because I want to, people to be exposed to the power of ministry. In 2008, I'm not suggesting that everybody do this. I'm talking about for our church. In 2008, I felt like that what we needed to do was not just have church, and I'm not taking away from the importance of corporate worship. My goodness, it's important. We don't ever need to miss church. Amen. But I, we don't need to just have church. We need to be the church, and we need to be the church by actually going to people that can't come to us and ministering to them. And so we, we need people to fulfill various roles within the church. And so whatever that would be, but everybody should be involved in some sort of ministry. As a matter of fact, I think everybody ought to be involved in, in some sort of outreach ministry. We, we've got people that are working in, people that are working out, but the world is, if, 
the world is lost and in need of hope. And so, so what value does God place on a sheep? The Luke 15 depicts the parable of the lost sheep and we see God considering the one lost sheep leaving the 90 and 9 for. He looked upon the people of his day with compassion and he saw them as a sheep without, as sheep without shepherd. Though he is the chief shepherd, when he ascended, the pastor, and the, shepherd, the pastor or shepherd then was given as a gift to the church because he ascended, the chief shepherd ascended. Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Amen. So the word of God commands his people to submit and to obey them that have the rule over them because they watch for our soul. I'm closing if our musicians would come and I'm closing with this. I want to talk about five different kinds of sheep. I've taught on this before, and so it's not new for some. But one kind of sheep is a solitary sheep. They stay away from the rest of the flock. They, maybe they think the rest of the flock's too mature for them. And a solitary sheep most often is a sickly sheep. A hermit sheep, they stay away from the rest of the flock because they want to avoid the shearing. They refuse to allow the shepherd to clip them. They don't want the Holy Spirit to prune them. And their wool grows over their eyes and they can't even protect themselves because in time the wool outweighs them and they're weighed down and can't even run when the wolves come to devour them. Amen. And they have many times influence upon others. And so we must not ever resist the shearing time the shearing time because it's then that God pulls the worth out of us. Amen, the shearing time. The wandering sheep, the third sheep, never content with things the way they are. Whatever God is doing, it's never fast enough, big enough, good enough to suit them. They always want to talk about how things used to be. They're, and then if you're not careful, that spirit of how things used to be can bring with it a spirit of discontentment for others. Amen. I'm thankful for where we've been. But I'll promise you, if God could somehow pluck us up from here and take us back to where we've been, it would not satisfy you like you think it would satisfy you. Amen. So we don't need to bring discontentment to other sheep and produce that kind. Then there are the Judas sheep. They lead others to the slaughter. They're usually blinded and deceived by their own stubbornness take an opposing stand on whatever the shepherd's trying to establish. It just doesn't matter what it is. They slander the shepherd. They carry tales abroad. They're unpleasant, wild, and have no love, really, no real love for the flock, the Judas sheep. And then there's the contented sheep. They're innocent. They trust the shepherd. They're mild, tenderhearted, and gracious. They're patient. They stick with the flock and don't run every time things don't go their way. They're useful, industrious, and get involved. They had the spirit of obedience mixed with the spirit of submission. Amen. All of those in the flock are his sheep. All of those. Matthew 7, if we were to read this, Matthew 7, 15 through 20, tells us there are wolves who wear sheep's clothing, put on the appearance of a sheep. We can tell or identify them by their fruit. There will be those that arise from the flock and they'll speak perverse things and draw disciples away. That's what Acts 20 and 30 says. And we're warned that there are those that will be deceived and fall away. The scriptures indicate that the pastor or the shepherd is not only responsible for preaching, 
that the pastor and the shepherd is to care for and nurture the lives that God has placed in the congregation. And so we've got to be very careful to care for the souls. The sheep in return must respond both to Christ, the chief shepherd, and to the pastor that God has joined them with. And so as you can see today, I, I know I've taken some extra time. I'm not sure quite how much some extra time here today to point out to you that we have a tremendous responsibility to one another. It's not all about you and it's not all about me, but it's about what we can do together. We have a responsibility to one another. But if we can stay in the vein that God has called us to abide in, there is no telling what God can use us to accomplish. I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom, aren't you? He's, he's given us a book to tell us how to do it. All we need to do now is just walk in this path. Let's stand together. Can we do that? And would you lift your hands to the, to the Lord? And could we just pray and ask God to help us to, to just pull this word into our heart? I know we've shared a lot of things, touched a lot of bases here today. But God, I'm asking you to help us to pull pull these words into our heart not just in our ears not let them just run around our mind for our mere consideration but I pray Lord that we can pull these into our spirit in Jesus name in Jesus this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.